play games, lose friends. It's episode 40. That's right. We've made it 40 episodes. Thank you all for joining us again. I'm Ryan back with Ken. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going. Man, episode 40. We're going to have to go to the doctor's yeah. and get a checkup. <laughs> well, I've heard they've changed that now. You can just use blood work, but uh, oh, I nice. guess it depends okay. on what you're into. All right. Well, some people enjoy that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to, but we're, we're getting close. <laughs> what, do we hit 50? Or is it 45? I don't know. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I I'm think 45 is the new 50. Is that what they say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. The way our board game night diets have been going, we might be oh. getting it sooner than later. Man. Last game night was uh, what? Crock, crock pot full of hot dogs and then back yes. to back into Dorito and crusted chicken. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So good. <laughs> So it was good. good. You gotta and love it. Beer cheese. Oh, oh, beer cheese did mm. some damage, but man, delicious. That was so tasting. Absolutely delicious. All right, we've got a <laughs> chock full episode. We are back yes. to review land after a long trip away. We're going to yes. talk about between two cities. It's our first review, and then a Kickstarter that you picked up earlier this year. It fulfilled, if I'm correct. Uh, yes. Wild Realms. Is that right? Yes, Wild Realms from Daywalker Syndicate. So we got a chance to play both of those games uh, between two cities a bit more, but we're going to give our, our review scores for each. Uh, it's been a while since we've given out scores, so we can judge like the jerks that we are and assign arbitrary numbers to things as though they matter. Well, so welcome back. To in all fairness, in, vo- in all fairness, they do matter to a degree. They matter to our friends at Stonemaier Games and Daywalker Syndicate. Um, yeah, I know. And that's where the joke is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People love reviews. People love, yeah. they love lists. They love reviews. And, and honestly, like we've done a lot of reviews so far. I feel like we've done a good job. Sort it's of been a bit though, right? It's been a bit. Scoring yeah, stuff. Yeah. Getting, but it also getting, is so subjective to the person, right? Yeah. We're getting back on that horse, so to speak. <laughs> we have a lot of new games that have come in, a lot of stuff to play. So yeah. I'm hoping we'll get back on that barrel and ride it over the Niagara Falls into 2024 after all of our PAX and holiday coverage is done. PAX is three weeks from Friday, so we're recording here on a Sunday night. It is getting closer yeah. and closer. So we will have our PAX preview show next, followed by our PAX recap, and then a little holiday show just for a, a buyer's guide to help some folks out there. We'll put that together. And then in the new year, we're going to get back to our annual top 50. Which yeah. I don't know. We'll see how much that changes. There are a lot of games yeah. played this year. A lot of stuff could, could creep up into that list. I haven't thought about it until we just said that. So, <laughs> Yeah. I think I mentioned to you once, and you're like, oh, shit. I don't even remember where my list is. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to listen to last year's episodes. So at least oh, you're driving some traffic to the podcast, if nothing else. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, it, it beats buying uh, bots, right? It beats buying bots. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I refuse to do that. This is a hobby, not a not a, a competition. Damn it! Yeah. All right. What are you drinking tonight? I've I've got a good, delicious beer. How about you? What do you have? Well, so I know I brought uh, some special beers that I thought were special because they were new to me to board game night this week, and I enjoyed them so much I had to go back and get more today. <laughs> so oh. I am drinking a blood orange. Broken Heels Hazy IPA. Oh, it's so good. From one of our favorite breweries, New Trail. This is a 7% uh, 
Uh, notes of juicy blood orange and bright tropicals. This is such a tasty beer. I am just in love with it. Uh, anything blood orange, just it's it's magnificent. So, because again, the Broken Hills IPA was always great. The Broken Hills oh, Hazy yeah. was always great, and now I think they've outdone themselves with the blood orange Broken Hills yeah. Hazy IPA. It's very good. From oh, the brewmasters at New Trail. So thank you. Yeah, they. They don't. Uh, they don't make a bad beer. They really don't. Uh, even like I said, I think in past episodes I've had their West Coast IPA, and that's not my favorite style. But even that for a West Coast was actually really good. I think everything they make is really good. They just they know what they're doing. When you say brewmaster, you meant it. They are absolute masters of their craft. Hundred percent. All right. I am drinking from our good buddy Kirby, who brought some stuff over on uh, on Friday. Uh, John of the Dead. John. Maybe I'm saying it or John, John of the Dead. John of the Dead. <laughs> John of the Dead. I gotta get John. more Philly in there. John of the Dead. Uh, the proudly John. brewed in Bucks <laughs> County, Pennsylvania, uh, at Neshiminy Creek Brewing Company. He has a little bit of an affinity for Neshiminy Creek, so he's hooked me up with quite a few beers from there. But this is um, yeah, he swims in that creek every summer, right? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think the sun and his skin get along too well. Oh, he's a, he's a little right. pale for that. That's right. He's an albino, right? Well, if he's not, he might be on his way. He's <laughs> he's close. So, uh, I don't know what style of beer this is. I've been looking at the can. I can't figure out, but it's a very. I believe dark. it's a. Re- is it a red ale? I think right. It's a. Oh yeah, there it is. Red rye IPA. So it's a red rye IPA. It is very red. It is almost brown. It's a John Brown. Uh, it is tasty. It's like. Um, I don't know how to describe. It. You know how you have like toasted lagers, and they kind of have a little bit of that like Smoky, smokiness smoky, to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rye always gives you sort of that unique, distinct rye flavor. It's got a bit of that going on. It's very good. Wow. Uh, Twelve ounce can, really cool label. A sh- little shout out to uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, of course. Um, but very, very good. He left no. uh, two here, so I'm I'm just stealing it, one. Um, well, there's a couple things here. One. Uh, one, I, a little factoid. One of my first, uh, sips of alcohol back in the day was a rock and rye. So I know exactly what that tastes like. On your um, 11th birthday. <laughs> and are you sure it's De- Dawn of the Dead or do you think it's Shaun of the Dead? What does the can look like? It's definitely Dawn of the Dead because it's there's Dawn versus a Shaun, picture of George Romero oh, okay. on the can. Uh, okay. As a zombie, and it, it is brewed to benefit the George A. Romero Foundation. So, <laughs> well, you have the can in front uh, of you, so I stand corrected. Yes, it's <laughs> is <jerk>. it's pretty <laughs> clear to me. By George Romero, do you have mean the right one? <laughs> what is it? The, what's the trilogy called? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I oh. wish there was a Shaun of the Dead, uh, World's End, Hot Fuzz beer. Hot Fuzz, I would drink yeah. those. Yeah, there might be actually. Those, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, well, f- if there is, I don't think I've seen it, but I'd like to try it. Although I'm sure it's those movies are a bit old. The beer is probably not so good anymore if it was a limited release thing. Fair well. Yeah, this is very good. Uh, Nishimini Creek makes a lot of good stuff. Uh, check them out if you get the chance. They're in Bucks County, PA. That is John of the Dead. John. All right. Yeah, I'm getting a little Southern with it. John so uh, we, we played a lot of games 
We've had two game nights, um, plus two some other nights. lunch games yeah. and other time spent gaming with our, our significant others, or at least I have a uh, very brief time, but I'll go over that in a minute. Um, why don't we start with Deep Rock Galactic? So we finally got uh, – I finished painting everything, sealed it all up. Everything's good to go. I printed out a fan-made expansion for the space rig. So anybody that's played the video game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The base game is – Zombicide-ish. Um, it doesn't really have any of the space rig stuff in it that lets you, you know, kind of keep persistence between missions or any of that stuff. So I figured I'd all that in to make things a little bit more interesting. And I, I'm enjoying it so far. It is what it is. It's a simple, fairly simple game. Not a ton of strategy, but enough challenge and sort of uh, coordination. Yeah, it's more, it's more tactical. That, I would consider it more yeah. tactical than strategic. Yeah, I'm having fun with it, though. I, I'm curious to hear what you think thus far. Yeah, so this is our um, second month in a row. We were able to, uh, you know, get together um, for specifically right now for Deep Rock Galactic. I didn't I, – I, I just basically watched you and your son play the game one time. So I have, like, no frame of reference. However – The video game, you mean? Yeah, the, the video game, Yes. That, that the board game is based on. However, I, I don't think it matters because this game, it's fun regardless. Uh, I, I like the sort of the starship troopers meets future dwarf meets, you know, <laughs> like you said, a little bit of like zombie side ish, uh, you know, and I think if you, uh, what, what I thought, what I find amazing is it doesn't take much for the tides to really swing into the enemy's favor. And if you're not careful, you can quickly find yourself in a pickle. And, and I just, I, I sort of like that tension. Uh, it's, it's a good time. Oh, we were, we were we jars were, in, or we pickles close. in a jar the first, first round. Yeah. Right. Cause got, the first um, time we played what we got to mission three and died, or was it two. only mission two? Mission two. Yeah. And mission two got the better of us. So we went back to mission two to start out our second session. And we got through mission two and mission three, right? But mission three got real scary. Um, I mean, yeah. we were falling down <laughs> one step from the, from the shuttle and the, the creatures were cover, you know, hanging in. Like it was going to be scary. Like we didn't know how we, it was swarm every turn. So yeah. It was definitely the deck was stacked against us, but uh, I think our group is starting to figure out our characters well. Again, the, the, there's a little bit of asymmetry, specifically in the weapons, but then also yeah. they each have like a unique thing that they can do. So yep. I think it's it's mastering and 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 using them to to your advantage as much as you can when they're you know able. I think it's so clutch to that game. Hence, why it's tactical and not strategic. Yeah, the classes make a pretty interesting difference. Uh, the thing that, if you're a fan of the video game, it just holds so close to the video game in so many different ways. It is so similar to the video game that when you're playing it and you're familiar with the game, you're just watching all these little things happen that just completely tie you back to the game, like cave leech cards, just knocking you over or a, a, a Mactera grabber, just carrying you across the map, uh, an oppressor, you know, just barreling down upon you. And there's really nowhere for you to move. 
there's just so many things about it that just scream, you know, deep rock the video game that if you're a fan, it's such a massive call out. But then on top of all that, the execution of the game is actually really good. As Ken said, it's got good pacing. Um, you have moments where you're just on the edge of your seat because you're so concerned about what's going to happen. You work together really well. I thought that's one thing I think is notable about that game across from some of the others I played where we have to work together to survive. Like some yeah, of them you can play. kind of go you off may, and do your own thing. Yeah, you mess you mess up one of your three actions a turn and and the tide swing. That pendulum comes back the other direction. And uh it's Yeah, tough. and you need your teammates. Yeah. Like you can't we, we made the mistake the first night we played of that second mission of kind of splitting up a little bit. And boy, by splitting did that up you mean go everyone well. going in a different direction. All four of us split up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Kirby was the unfortunate dude who drew the oppressor swarm card and basically just got pinned in an area, knocked down every turn and couldn't get back up and getting dinged for health and then died. And by the time we could get over to him, there was just a horde of bugs. Yeah. Like the bugs in that game are called Glyphids. There were like literally a dozen models around his body, just annihilating his dead body. So, um, we could not beat that one, but we learned our lesson, came back, and the last time we played was much better. Oh my uh, god! I think we had we just a lot of smashed. fun. Smashed, we smashed that mission. Upgraded all of our secondary weapons. Yeah, <laughs> um, like I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, again, a month a month lapse in time, right? Seeing what you did wrong, iterate on your mistakes, come back, crush it, right? And then we go and do somewhat of a similar thing on this. <laughs> Mission three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how uh, really? And it, and it was only because we had cleared the board really early, really fast. And we're like, ah, there's nothing here. Let's go. And we sort of separated and it, it came on us again. And we barely got out. Yeah. And we got that one card, event card that allows two swarm cards to be drawn. And if that happens, all of a sudden, an empty board becomes very full, very yeah. fast. Yeah. And at that point, it was like, well, we better get a move on. Um, but I think we had a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm looking forward to continuing to play. Uh, I did back the last Kickstarter, but I only did the Space Rig expansion, which is going to add a whole bunch of stuff to the game that's persistent from mission to mission, which is really what it needed. So... Even though we're playing through this right now, I probably will play through that whole game again with a different group because I'll have that expansion. And maybe at some point I'll get the the biomes one as well, which introduces some new enemies and all that other stuff. So more to come on Deep Rock, but it's been really fun so far. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm glad the group's had a lot of fun and we we have some laughs. There's some ridiculous stuff that happens in those games. We've had some real hard laughter at that game. Yeah, and then the uh – if you remember the old Arnold soundboards and Flash, uh, we have yeah. one of those. <laughs> We're dating ourselves there, but yeah. Um, so it's it's been thematic <laughs> as much as uh, sort of a co-op sort of dungeon crawly action adventure game can be. Um, yeah, we've that that, that sound that app that Kirby found basically plays sounds from the video game with music in the background. So like anytime a swarm starts, it plays, you know, the management guy talking and the music and it's just, it adds a lot more dramatics flair to the game. It's, it's cool. He was uh, looking at making an app with that, with a lot more features and he looked today and there's 16,000 audio files in that game. So he's going to be busy. We might see him in 2049 with 
a beta version. Yeah, he but, must yeah. have just like download it all to a directory and then just keep the background sound and then find the files he needs to double click them to play right like, <laughs> he'll never take a turn then we'll have to I know. we'll have to uh get the house plant to replace him all right the other one we taught we played together we won't talk about between two cities or wild realms too much because we're going to review them but the other one we got to play together again was 12 chip trick uh we played this at our last uh game night with our regular game group after playing um Wild Realms in Between Two Cities. We had a bit of time left and we played 12 Chip Trick. We've talked about this a little bit, but like, I'm just going to let you gush for a couple minutes because I know you want to. Yeah, this, um, this is a special game. Uh, I've never played anything quite like it. The, again, it, this is, this does, is just chock full or this is really, really strategic. In you know, trying to play the right chips so that you can not only screw over your opponents, but leave yourself unscathed, uh, you know, trick to trick. You don't necessarily have to win a trick to have, uh, sort of control of the game, which I love that about it. But if you get dealt with some really tough four chips, it doesn't matter what you do. You're just destined to, to just, fill the bed with poo. But I don't, that doesn't bother me because of how beautiful this game is and how well this is designed for such a small footprint of four chips per player, four players, what 16 chips. Uh, yep. it's just beautiful. It's just really well done. Yeah. It's, it's a heavyweight game in a small package. Oh and my God. I, it's when like I say heavyweight, I don't, yeah. Like I wouldn't say heavyweight like like uh Voidfall or or Terra Mystica heavyweight, but like for a small box game, this is a brain burner. And you're the the thing that I thought would concern me the most with this game was replayability because there's so few chips, right? But every game there's I, I don't know if it's a product of us not knowing what the hell we're doing yet when we play, or if it's just the way the game plays out. But like every game the strategic decisions that you have to think of as to when you play a particular chip versus what's out there and who has what and how you're counting what's out versus what folks are holding. It's really good. Like, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this good for having just four poker chips in your hand to start a game, but it is. And I don't know why, but it's just a massive, massive tip of the Kengal to, all the people yeah. involved in the design of this game and a huge shout out to Portland game collective. This is where I purchased it from for bringing these games to us in the U S this is a yes. Korean publisher, Mandu, I believe who does the localization and um, publishes it and they get it over here to Portland game collective and they sell it, you know, domestically. Um, so if you are interested in smaller box games, most notably trick takers right now, at least uh, seems to be most of their inventory, check out the Portland game collective. They have been awesome to work with super, super friendly. They got the order in and sent me like a personal note saying, thanks. Um, glad you ordered it. Hope you enjoy it. Shipped it out really quick. Um, I posted on board game geek, just letting them know that we got it and how thankful I was. And it's just very friendly. So, um, 12 chip trick is an awesome game. If you have a chance to get, it. I think it was 25 
Um, Plus nine bucks. And it was like nine bucks to ship it here. So like 30 bucks for a small game like that is a little pricey. But again, with the limited availability in the U.S., you're probably not going to find it for very long, and it's probably going to end up being worth something someday. So yeah, plus um, plus the amount of game and the amount of replayability on a four-player game that you get in this box is well worth that. What thirty-four dollars? So do yourself a favor. Yeah. Run, don't walk. This is if you like trick takers. If you like, you know, quick setup, fun, strategic, you know, deep st- strategy for for four chips, right? Like, <laughs> this is a definite yeah, no-brainer. And I think I've sold three or four copies of this game just by having it uh, on the table and played with other people. Like, everybody yeah. else, because it's accessible to kids, too. Um, it's just really yeah. good. So Well, and – Fantastic. Maybe maybe spoiler for the Christmas guide this year, but this is a perfect stocking stuffer. Um, it'll fit right in a stocking for any of that gamer in your family uh, or yeah. yourself if you have to buy yourself a gift because of kids. You know, <laughs> like put this in your Shut stocking. Shut up and stop spoiling our holiday episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have a feeling we have more than enough stuff we could recommend for the holidays. But oh, 100%, yes, that's a fantastic yeah. point. This, but this is a this literally fits in your back pocket, so it's it's great for a stocking. But um, I think I asked you, but did you have any others played? I have two others I can jump into <clears> quick if you want. No, I well, since we we had game night this week, I haven't been home to play anything with my family. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so All no. right. Well, I've got two. Uh, I got Mercurial in from Kickstarter finally, or from Fulfillment finally. Uh, I got it set up at the table and played a solo game. And wow, am I impressed with this. Um, this has been something I've been looking forward to most of the year because it was one of the games that's very different from a lot of the stuff that I own. Um, my only gripe about it is that it's not for five players and I can't bring it to PAX because I wish I could. <laughs> Um, it's a game about crafting spells through dice manipulation. Um, you get these cards called alteration cards and they allow you to mess around with your dice. Uh, you can convert resources and so on so that you can then cast spells. Think kind of like, uh, animalchemists, mm-hmm. um, but harder. And then there's also, um, mana and acuity crystals, which can be used for as resources for other, you know, basically your alterations or other stuff. Once you craft spells, um, you add them to your basically your spell book. And then when you're ready, you can cast a series of them in conjunction to perform heroic deeds. And these heroic deeds basically what are what give you victory points at the end of the game. But there's also arcane focuses and, and other things. Um, but the combinations to do all this stuff with a constantly shifting board makes it extremely interesting. So you're doing a little bit of sort of uh hand deck building kind of a little bit of engine building not really i guess sort of it's it's hard to describe but the mind gym mental gymnastics you have to go through to sort of form the combos you need to make your stuff happen in the time it, you have available to you to make it happen because the cards and stuff rotate out it becomes very challenging <laughs> so i think this one's going to be fun for the four of us to try and i'm hoping we get to play it in the not too distant future but i'm really impressed with what i saw so far and on top of all that it's a gorgeous production 
The card stock is really yeah, nice. I was just the say, art the is art look. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's. Um, I got the deluxe one, so I got a play mat, and I got dice, uh, dice tray or you know rolling trays. Um, the dice are really nice. Every it's just beautiful. So fantastic production, great game so far. I'm looking forward to trying it in competitive mode. So hopefully soon. Um, and then the other one I got to play for a whopping ten turns, roughly. Was Honey Buzz? Um, I mentioned last episode that I got uh, the Target deal where you buy two get one free. Honey Buzz was one of the games I've wanted it for a long time. Finally got it. We played it, my wife and I, and she got ten turns in, and I could tell already that she was not enjoying the game. She does not like worker placement. First of all, she doesn't like playing games with me when it's competitive. Co-op, she loves. Competitive, she wants to basically. I, I think sever let's, my let's head from fair. my body. Let, let's be fair. She tolerates cooperative with you. <laughs> no, I think they're like she I'm likes Dystron Adventures. I'm she I'm loved kidding. Vagrant Song. She likes Spirit Island. She likes Burgle Bros. She likes a letter or a Kitchen Rush. There's a few others. Zombies Keep Out. She likes Stardew Valley. She likes. She loved Paleo. So yeah, she actually does like co-op. I'm kidding. Which, I know. I'm kidding. Well, usually you'd be right, <laughs> but in this case, I think uh, you're wrong. Anyway, um, 10 turns, she bowed out, but it was enough for me to see how the game works and enough to sort of understand how to play it. It's really, really simple, but it's fun. And it's kind of a points race. I think we would probably have a lot of fun playing this as a a group of four in our regular game nights. Um, And I think it's something that you can play so quickly that we'd be able to re-rack and get two or three games in like within an hour and a half to two hours. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it was. Like, basically, your turn, you start with some hive tiles. On your turn, you take your beeples, your your meeples that look like bees. I beeples. love saying beeples. Oh, my God. Beeples. I'm just going to record. My, I might put that at the beginning of this episode before the music plays. Beeples. Uh, beeples. Um, but basically, you take them, put them in one of the hive boxes, which has, like, a special effect. And then you take that effect and if, or sorry, you take a tile out of that group and you place it in your hive. And if you complete a cell, in other words, you've closed off a space that has nothing in it, you then get to activate all the icons that border that cell in your hive. And there's a range of icons. Some of them let you create new bees. Some of them let you um, forage, which means you can fly around and find nectar to make honey. And if you get a nectar token, you put it in the middle cell and then there's another icon that lets you basically fill that cell and produce honey. And the honey that is then used to sell for victory points, or you can fulfill orders to other woodland creatures for victory points. So every time you sell a honey, though, the price drops. And so the first few players to sell, you know, large sums of honey are going to make out like bandits. There's also some comp- <coughs> like individual competition cards and all that. So the scoring's competitive as hell. That's where it comes. The competition comes in. But um. It's a great production. Even the base game from Target was great. I can't even imagine what the deluxe version that it would have gotten was, but sorry, Elf Creek, I had to back out. But yeah, great game. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So that's Honey Buzz. We also got to play, and we're going to review it now, Between Two Cities from Stonemire Games. Now, this is one of the few Stonemire titles that we don't have, and you got recently. Um, thanks to Stonemire for providing us with a review copy. 
And we were excited to get to play this. We played it a little bit before, but we didn't play it enough where I felt like we, either of us felt like we could review it, right? So why don't you break down what Between Two Cities is and give us a rough description, and then we'll dive right into the review. Yes. So, again, thank you to Stonemaier Games for uh, allowing us to get a copy of this game for this review. It is the Between Two Cities Essential Edition. Uh, meaning it is not only the original Between Two Cities uh, base game, but it also comes with their one expansion as basically part of the base game uh, of this one out of the box. Um, it does still have a little bit of an advanced mode, but again, that just adds some unique scoring and whatnot. But uh, basically in Between Two Cities, this is, I think, a, if I remember correctly, this is a three to seven player game. So right off the bat, the fact that it's three to seven is like awesome, right? Because it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, simple to teach, uh, easy to set up, uh, tile laying game, uh, or tile drafting game, I'll say, where you are making two cities, one to your left with your, per- with your, uh, with the player to your left. And a city to the right with a, with the player to your right. And ultimately you are trying to sort of balance the score between the two houses because once you've done three rounds of tile drafting, you will score both your houses and eliminate the highest of the two scoring houses. Now, uh, then the winner is decided by the highest total of the lowest houses that every player was able to build. Which, when you explain this to someone, really, they make they, they look at you weird, they scratch your head, but then it does make sense <laughs> once you go through it a couple times or once you play it. Um, and I believe there's like six, seven different building types. They all score differently. They all score uniquely. The iconography is pretty good. It's all on the, the tiles. But yeah, it's a quick, what, 20 to 30 minutes, I think, would be playtime, Ryan, from your perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think it was like 35, 40 minutes the first teach, and then the next game was probably about 30. Yeah. It, it plays very it gets, quick. Yeah, and it'll get faster the more you play with the group that knows what they're doing and how to play. Yeah. But yeah, that's I, I think um, the essential edition. I think my my initial thought for the game was that it was going to be much more complicated looking and all that iconography, but it turned out, you know, like most games that Stonemaier creates, it only takes one playthrough and you really start to understand it quick, which is a very good strength of the game, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in review. So reviews, we haven't done one in so long. I had to go back and look how in the hell we actually <laughs> how we do it, reviews. how we review games. Yes. <laughs> so we uh, do this by five categories, and then we sum up the totals and come up with a final rating, final number, um, and then we talk about whether or not this game is going to make you want to lose friends or not. And those categories are theme, balance, fun, component, quality, and replayability. So why don't you dive in? And we'll start off first with theme, your favorite category. That's the running gag. Yeah, that is the running gag. And hopefully I did okay over this one. But this is a pretty generic vanilla theme uh, to the point of it sort of, uh, other than the name matching what you're actually playing, 
<laughs> and how you're playing. You know, you're building two cities. You are between them. Um, thematically, it's not too crazy, right? It's not too uh, in- engulfing. So I went with a three. I mean, I'm not terribly far off from you. I just did a 3.5. I think they okay. – <laughs> <laughs> You're right in that it could just be called Between Two Lord Anything. of the Rings Kingdoms. Like you could yeah. put any theme in here yeah. and it would work and you could figure out how to make it work. But I gave it an extra half a point because it is between two cities. And when you place your buildings and you think about, all right, I don't want factories next to residential. Um, I want my pub next to a business so that I can get more income from workers coming over for lunch, stuff like that. There are some like real world thematic stuff that actually happens in okay, civic that planning fair. that it does exist in the game. And so, you, you know, you want larger parks in your borough and all that stuff. So <coughs> they hit the hit the nail on the head with that. Are you all right there, buddy? Oh, my God. You sound like you're going to die. Don't die. We have more games to review. We have to get through. Hold on. So real. that's – did that come – that seriously just came through? Oh, yeah. I thought I, I muted that. So no. my, does my mute not work? That's awesome. I don't know, but I'm leaving all this in because that is hilarious. Uh, Dude, I just got all right. All choked up. Sorry, I did thought. You, did you uh, you cough up one of the tiles from the game? Is that what was yeah, in there? <laughs> okay, so oh, clearly so Audacity so mute doesn't work. <laughs> you have to cut this. I don't know. I can't cut the coughing part where you're talking. We got to leave it in. It's too good. All right. Moving on. Uh, 3.5 for theme. So balance for me. I had a 4.5. This game feels really well balanced. There isn't anything about it other than random chance of not seeing the right tiles that makes it feel like it's going to swing heavy one way or the other. Um, Because you're drafting and randomly picking that just works out by sheer probability over the course of multiple games, probably, or even just in the same game in multiple rounds. So I think balance 4.5, I didn't find anything glaring with this that made me feel like it should be any lower. I 100% agree. And I also rated it a 4.5. I put it in games like Sagrada or Arboretum or Everdell, right? Where like, they are so well balanced that it's just that tinge of randomization of what tiles you get when you're drafting and what gets passed to you. Uh, And clearly on the second round where you're drafting the double duplex tiles, that is such, that is the critical round. That is, um, I feel like that's the make or break round of that game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, You can get screwed there pretty badly. Yeah. Royally host. So, um, so yeah, that is um, the, the, that's why it's just ding that one, one half a point. So, but I agree with you. Yep. Four point five. Yeah, it's it's definitely well balanced. Um, into that balance is the fun. So, what did you have for fun? So fun. What's interesting about my score for fun? Uh, I'm gonna put an asterisk by it. Not that it's a negative, like in a, in a, in a way, but uh, I gave it a three point five for fun. Um, and the only reason why I give it a 3.5 is I, how do I put this? We are a little bit, we're sort of in our junior year or <laughs> of our board game hobby. Um, have <laughs> we, had we been sophomores or freshmen in this hobby? I could see between two cities being, uh, 
one of our amazing go-to games that we're busted out to teach people. We're, we're, yeah. we're shouting from I the see, rooftops how good this I game is. see where is. you're going. But I think for um, the fact that, again, we've played a lot of games, um, you know, we're, we're playing more sort of deeply strategic games. Um, this game is good. There's nothing, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, it, it's a very good game, but from a fun standpoint, I've, I've played, I, I guess there's other games that I would go to. I mean, clearly it's not, it doesn't do everything the exact same way, but like the whole unique building scoring. I mean, look at Tiny Towns, right? Tiny Towns has 50 expansions. Uh, this is sort of like a Tiny Towns. So I'm sort of putting in that sort of world where I think if you're, just starting out in your gaming adventures or your gaming hobby, this is going to be one of the most fun games in your collection. Um, but for me, it just, it's sort of middle of the road. I mean, I gave it just a slight bump because of how quick and easy it is to set up because that, that allows things to, you know, you to play games, which playing games in general is fun. So that's why I went with the 3.5. Yeah. Um, I think it's super accessible to your point. I had a higher score. I went with a four. Uh, okay. It's quick to get out. It's fairly easy to teach. It's quick to play. Uh, it's entertaining the entire time you're playing it. There are very few games that I've ever played where you're collaborating with people to your left and people to your <laughs> right at the same time. But the person across the table is looking at you with daggers, <clears throat> you, yeah. While I try to influence the decisions of those to my left and right to benefit me yeah, as much as them. Yes, I am. I'm the best jerk. Uh, I think that's really fun. I think that we play Stonemeyer in particular. Actually, it's not even Stonemeyer. It's, it's all over the place in board gaming. There's a lot of solitaire games out there. Um, I, I talked about Mercurial just a or few like minutes ago. Or like group solitaire, right? Where everyone's just playing a game of solitaire? Right? Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. Wingspan is nor notorious for this. There are others um, yeah. where player, player interaction is so minimal. And this is on the flip side where not only are you interacting with one player, you're interacting with two players and you're working together, but also kind of not. It's a really interesting juxtaposition as a as a gamer. You don't have those experiences too much. And I thought that made this that much more fun. Um, mechanically, the game isn't blowing me away, right? It's just, hey, draft some tiles, place them, optimize your scoring conditions. This has been done a million times in games. But it's that mechanic of working with the people next to you and influencing yeah. them enough to benefit you against the players that you know are to their other side. That is really interesting and to me where the fun came in. So this this is a four. I think this is very different than most things. And I think that is in and of itself, that player interaction that is there and is forced in a good way makes it more fun. Yeah. I, All right. You're 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 right. Re it is, rebuttal? It, no, it's not I don't dis I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> um I'm just I guess I just want to add to that, right? Like you are correct. Like there there is nothing like this where you're sort of that that I'm aware of, where you're sort of playing two co-op games, but yet you're still trying to win in a weird way. Um, and to your point, like watching uh, the player across the table from you try to manipulate your team to the left, their team or their player to the right, your team to the left, your player to the left, into yeah. putting like that that third um, shop down or 
um, playing the the third, uh, what is it, the red ones, where there's four in the game, where you have three already in your city because you've been working on that all time. Or, um, you know, that, that extra office, <laughs> right? Where it's yep. like, or the, or the, even the factory, right? It, it has a, a little sushi go, what is it, the maki roll, right? It's got a little maki roll flavor to it. So you're right, it is unique in that regard. So, but, uh, but would you play this over cheap? Uh, 12 trip, uh, 12 chip trick. Um, it depends, right? Like I, you and I both have so many games to pick. From, I know. Maybe it's unfair. Depending on the mood I'm in, the people I'm with, the type of game I want to play, the time I have. Yeah. I could see myself wanting to play this one. I, I think we had some okay. table table interaction that actually was pretty fun and funny. Um, would I pick it over, you know, some of my all-time favorites? No, I don't think it's going to okay. fit my all-time favorite list. But I think for what it offers and that player interaction, if I'm craving some of that type of thing, yeah, this is on the list. I really do think that. And I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised I'm saying that because I yeah. took one look at the box and all the components <laughs> inside and the first rules teach, and I was like, ugh. Like, I don't think I want to play this. And then we played, and I was like, all right, I see why this can be fun. Yeah. And then we play with our foursome group that we always play with, and I really enjoyed it then. So, yeah. Yeah, I, agreed. I, it fits. It fits okay. for me. Um, right. Moving over to well, component of, quality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of components, right? Um, Stonemeyer, if you've ever played a Stonemeyer game, or you've ever purchased a Stonemeyer game, or you've ever seen a Stonemeyer game, you're more than likely in awe. And at, at his table presence, because Stonemeyer does not skimp on component quality. Um, but what's unique about this game in all of their sort of glory of <laughs> deluxified, over the top, overproduced, beautiful. I'm not knocking because, you know, I'm a sucker for all their, uh, deluxification <laughs> components is this one has the least amount of components for for the most part. So therefore I I went with a 4. I looked at some of our older games that we reviewed uh where they were just tiles or they were just cards or they were just chips. And we went uh, I went with a 4 and the reason why I'm going with a 4 is there's a lost opportunity for a bag for those city tiles to be put in. You're supposed to just throw them around on the table or keep them in the box. But a nice bag would have been good for people pulling tiles out of. Um, now I think that's what I'm going to add to this edition. I've got a couple extra bags. Not only that, when you put the game away, it, it you know, the, the tiles jostle all over the box. Which again, Stonemaier is usually good at having an insert or having enough bags to compensate. But for these tiles, there's a lot of tiles. Uh, a nice cloth bag or a, or a bag of some sorts would have been would have been clutch for this. So I, I gave it one little ding, uh, but I came in with a four for components because from what's in there, the meeples for the different towns, the different cities are great. The tiles are great, good, thick quality. The player boards, double-sided, beautiful. So uh, a lot of score sheets. You have plenty of score sheets. Um, there's little baggies for stuff. But the one bag that's missing is, the I think, the clutch bag. Uh, 
for the big for the main tile. Ryan, what'd you have? This will be quick. Uh, four for all the same reasons. Missing an insert, <laughs> which could help with organization and bags to help draw things out of. Otherwise, uh, everything about it's great. Beautiful illustrations, great iconography, good card stock or, or cardboard stock. Um, meeples are cool. I like the, I actually really like the background art on the tiles. Like first time I looked yeah. at it, I was like, that's garish colors, but they grew on me quickly. Um, yeah, rule book's good. There's nothing about it I didn't really care for. Just had those few things missing that kind of drove it over the top. Uh, we don't find a lot of games that are five in terms of component quality, but sometimes yeah. those little things push you to that five. And so, but otherwise, it was perfectly fine and, and even great in some cases for what it is. So, I think four is a fair score too. Um, replayability. So, I went with a four here because there's just so many tiles because the decision space is so wide for every player every time you play. This has a lot of replayability built into it. It also, at larger player counts, is, it completely changes the dynamic, right? So when we played with four, it's like Brad to my right and Joe to my left, and you as the player that I'm not negotiating with. I just <laughs> have to argue with them and you. But when you add five, six, seven players, you know the ones that are directly to the left and right don't matter so much anymore all the time. Um, because by the time stuff gets to them or the strategy for the other players across the table from you that you don't interact with at all, it just creates like a whole separate dynamic from a social standpoint. So I, th I think that is really cool. And I think that gives the game a lot more replayability. The only comment I have with replayability is I think I would not play this much under four players. Like I feel like you need to have four players for that to be a lot yeah. of fun and, but I think at four and up, this has a ton of replayability. So I went with the four. Um, the only reason I didn't give it higher is because these games, like tile placement and stuff like that, just kind of get old and predictable in a way to me. Um, that's just a personal thing, and maybe I'm wrong and shouldn't yeah. punish the game for that. But um, I just find that to be the case with this style of game after after a little while. But lots of game in the box, so four seems fair to me. How about you? Uh, I also went with a four. Um, for a lot of the same reasons you have or you have you, that you've mentioned, um, I think the the first round of drafting tiles, you sort of set yourself up moving forward. Uh, you know, so if you're going shops on the left, parks on the right, or you're you're going, um, I, I'm trying to think of the red ones, but like the the, the four, um, the taverns, sort of industrial taverns, right. You sort of try to stick to a strategy, right? Those purple tiles are the ones that are going to throw you off, right? Can you get a factory next to this office? Or can you do, uh, you know, get this park next to the shop, right? Is there a way to do that? Um, but for the most part, I think once you, once you play it, then you sort of, you know, you'll know strategically where to go or tactically where to go after your first round. Like the first two tiles you place, they really set the stage. Yes, you can pivot. Yes, you can adjust a little bit, but not too far off. Or you're just not going to make a strong city and you're going to get stuck with like less than double digit points <laughs> in your city. So, yeah. um, but I also went with the four. I think with the right groups of people, um, this, this, this is probably their go to game. This is, this is a family game for large groups. Uh, that I, th I can see them playing it a lot, you know? Yeah, it's super accessible. 
I think yeah. that's one of the strengths of the game is it's just yeah. once the iconography is, is sort of grokked in people's brains, it's just super accessible and you can just sit down and, and rip through a game and have a good time. And there's there's a lot of games in the world. Not a whole lot of them have that that trait, that quality to them. So I think that's a, a big benefit for this game. So my final score came at a 3.8. Which, if we go back into the review history of our show, this ties Draftosaurus um, and is a little stronger than another Stonemeyer title, Charterstone, which we played, was that our pandemic year? 22? 21? God, yeah. When we maybe. played Charterstone? Feels so like it's forever a, ago. <laughs> yeah, char- yeah that's our, that was our third review was Charterstone, and that was a 3.6. And I think it smashes Destiny. That came in at a 3.5 with its triumphant 3.8. So just – cool. And those are, my, those are my review scores from some of our past games. Um, yep. And it's ahead of Quacks of Quedlinburg by one point – or by a point one. Because <laughs> Quacks – against humanity. I scored at a 3.7. So, no. Quacks, Quacks is – No. One of the greatest – uh, I ended up Anywho. with a four. <laughs> you had a four. I think okay. this game is is worthy of a four. Um, it's just an all around good game, not a great great game. But again, that accessibility and speed of play, quickness to set yeah. up, all that good stuff. It's good. It's a good game. I think people will enjoy it if they haven't played it already. Um, Stonemeyer always makes good quality products. They always stand by the games they make, parts replacement, yeah. and all that stuff. Rules, assistance. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a good game. I think a four is is more than fair, and uh, we'll probably play it again. I don't think we're we're done playing this game by any stretch. It's not like we no. I tend think to this is a permanent. And, yeah, this is permanently in the in the work drawer. You know, uh, one of the things that I like about this podcast is that we haven't ventured into the space where we're just getting game upon game upon game and reviewing for getting paid or, or for getting free stuff. Like everything we review, we have an interest in or a passion about or something like that. And I think that helps us as gamers and reviewers to either not get burnout and also like assess things the way they're properly meant to be assessed. And so I'm glad we, you know, again, Stonemeyer provided this copy for us. We did not purchase this. So thank you to them. But, um, It was it was something that we wanted to play anyway, so it, it works out really well. Well, and that's the thing, right? We are huge Stonemeyer fans, right? We reviewed I'm Wingspan. A board game Wings- fan. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. Yes, yes, yes. They we just so happen game. to make really yeah. well done board games, and and some yes, that right? aren't so well done, right? Like not every game no. is a hit, right? But no, we played. We you know again we reviewed Char. I'm look. I'm going through our list, right? We only have. Uh, well, we're about to have 24 reviews total in our in our two years of having a podcast, right? Um, the last the archivist of this podcast the is la- amazing. <laughs> what other stats do you the have? La- nice. I, I you name it, I have stats. So the we reviewed two other Stonemeyer titles. Uh, we reviewed Tartarstone, which I said I had at a 3.6. We did that as a family, right? We did that legacy game. You know, your wife, my wife. Uh, you know, we played all th- almost a whole year. To, to get through that game. And that was our third review. Um, and again, we did not, you know, talk to Stonemeyer. That was my personal copy because I wanted to play a legacy game. <laughs> that was my first legacy game I ever bought was Charter Stone. 
Um, and then you fast forward to our 14th review was Wingspan. Uh, and that, that came in at a 4.7 for me. Now that's just straight base. We just reviewed the base. And for me, that was a 4.7. That was in my top, I think it was my top five, if I'm not mistaken, from our list last year. Uh, and now today we reviewed Between Two Cities. But we are fans of Red Rising. You've heard us talk about that. We're fans of um, Scythe. So we got more Stonewire titles coming uh, for reviews, guys. But this All was the I one that is to get that damn Rise of Fenris campaign played. I want to play that to play so Rise bad. Of <laughs> yes. We got our Scythe uh, prep game in, and I feel like by the time we get to play the campaign, we're going to need another prep, prep we're game. We're another Scythe game. <laughs> Yeah. That's well, okay. and and we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna play expeditions between them because I bought that. Um, yeah, that's I coming. The Uber. I bought the Uber miniatures version, so that's coming to did. pack sneak sneak peek to next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. gonna be fun. Oh, you know what else I realized that's coming to packs and we didn't talk about in his five players fit to print. What? Neither of us have played it yet. And uh, should we bring it? We both. I'm bringing it. Yeah. Oh, you're going to bring it? Okay. I'll bring mine. I'll okay. bring mine. Fair enough. All right. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Stonemeyer Games, for, for allowing us uh, to, you know, to, to giving us this copy of your game. Uh, as you, you know, again, I was at a 3.8. Ryan was at a 4. Um, so, thank you. Really good game. Yep. Now, the grand finale. Would this game cause you to <laughs> lose some friends? Would you piss them off so bad they'd... Just blow up the highway in between the cities and drive off into the West. I wrote no. I, I didn't find uh, – again, you and I have a little bit of a different history with each other when it comes to board games. But I feel in <laughs> what general does that mean? no. Well, no. I think you and I always have like a little – it's like a uh, like a sibling a contest. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's yeah, some a spirit, let's say. Yeah. That's right. We don't play to lose. But uh, uh, but I, I think had in a general, no. no. I, yeah, yeah, I had a no this, too. This is too. This is too like friendly of a game in a way, right? Like and too like non-confrontational to to really yeah. get you angry, right? This shouldn't. Yeah, all you're really going to have is the jockeying for uh, for tiles you really want, yeah. which is yeah. what we did. Why are you not playing uh, you know. the four shop on our board, but you're playing it over there? Or yeah. why are you going to tie shops over there? Don't oh, give him the factory because then they're going to be tied yeah. with us and they're going to score the city. Yeah, like there's that, but the, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's not as contentious <laughs> as other titles that we've played that have that you know level of assholery involved. So. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I said no as well. Okay, well, that was between two cities. Thanks again to Stonemeyer for providing us with yes. a review copy, the essential, and the essential we'll edition. Be playing it again, I'm sure. Let's move yeah. on to a Kickstarter that you got called Wild yes. Realms. Why don't you give us a little background on how you found it, and also on sort of the premise of the game? Yes. So Wild Realms uh, was. Honestly, I had never heard anything about it when I discovered it. But basically, in my heyday <laughs> or my extreme Kickstarter days, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I would hit the you know the tabletop uh, section and scroll and see what came out that day, um, and what would whether it was something the title, the gameplay, or the art. 
one of those three things that would always get me to do the little heart uh, to say that I liked it, right? So that I can come back to it when I have more time and really digest and make a determination where I'm going to put my money. So when this game came up, you know, you know me, Ryan, and I think we've talked about it, right? I'm a big fan of Animalia or, uh, you know, critters in general in board games. I don't know what it is. Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic animals, yes. you know, that. But this, so, but this was more, uh, this art style. Um, and I believe the designer of the game, uh, is also the artist, which is Jeremy Gulota or Gulota. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And what basically you're trying to do is you're trying to conquer, uh, your four realms, uh, which are specific to an element. So fire, water, air, and, uh, and I guess I'll call it earth, right? Earth, 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 wind, fire, and, and water are the four elemental realms. That Go planet. Yes, right. <laughs> that make up, uh, your, your player board. And what you do is you're basically playing out sort of factions of animals. Every animal in the game is unique. So uh, every animal plays differently. Every animal has something strategic on them. But everybody has the same set of cards. Um, they're just sort of attuned a, a towards a specific realm. So someone will play that if you play with four players. And basically, you play your cards each turn um, to try to – ultimately, you're trying to lock – you you want to be the player that locks all four of your realms first. And the way to lock all four of your realms is there's five different icon types or classes, I guess, of animals that you want to get into a realm. And one of them has to be a leader, and then you lock that realm down. Once you have a locked realm, you then have the opportunity to use your realm to go up against someone else's realm – of a different uh, elemental type to try to lock that down. And again, at the end of the day, first person that gets all four of their realms locked down, whether through their own means or through realm combat and stealing someone's realm is the winner. So that is wild realms in a nutshell. What did I miss, Ryan? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I think that was the okay. gist of the game. So let's, uh, let's so, hop in. I'll kick us well, off. Before if that's we, okay with well, you. before we jump oh, in, go ahead. Before we jump in, I just have to state that the the company Daywalker, uh, the publisher Daywalker Syndicate, reached out to us. No, knew that we owned the game. Uh, I, I, we've posted images on our Instagram of some of the artwork. We posted some, uh, I think, a post or two around uh, their generosity as a publisher. Uh, and going through the shipping crisis and the increased costs and delays of campaigns, uh, what they did was all backers got a little thank you envelope of specific legendary beasts. I believe that that was the only way you could get those cards. So I think we posted something very nice about them. You know, again, Ryan's That's had cool. some, some issues with some publishers and their delays. Daywalker Syndicate, I hung in yes. there with them. Uh, and then they said us something nice for our, uh, our patience and, uh, lack of lamb basting them on a daily basis in the forums and on the internet. So, so they reached out to us asking, uh, if we would do a review of their game. Um, so we're doing this, you know, sort of because we own the game. 
Um, but they also just in full transparency sent us a art print. Uh, Jeremy, uh, he, he had, uh, special art prints made about, I think they're limited to, uh, a hundred each. Uh, we, we got the octopus. We got number 13 out of 100, uh, of art, of this art print of the octopus and it's autographed with a certificate of authenticity. Um, but other than that, we fully purchased this game, uh, through Kickstarter. Um, but yeah. We can jump into our review, but I just wanted to make sure that we were clear and honest with that up front. Well, that was cool of them to, first of all, in the campaign, do that because not everybody goes through that. A lot of times there's additional stuff that's just not so good. Um, but I think the, you know, the, the art print thing is super cool. Like having a, a certificate of authenticity is, you know, the real deal. So it was nice of them to do that. Yeah, it was really right. cool. Theme. I gave Theme a 3.5. Probably because I played so many games like this in my life at this point that sometimes they're very interchangeable. I like the sort of Animal Kingdom approach that it had, which was kind of neat. Um, but there's a lot of games out there that card battlers can, can just kind of be plugged into just about anything. Um, so there wasn't like a super strong tie to me to that, um, which is why I gave it a 3.5. I don't really have anything extra to say. It just wasn't like something where the theme, you know, just was so strong to the gameplay itself that I felt compelled to give it higher. So 3.5. Well, I agree with you. I also gave Wild Realms a 3.5 on thematics, but I gave it a 3.5 for a different reason. Uh, Thematically, I felt that they tried to capture most of those animal cards, uh, in some way that ties to how that animal might interact in the wild, as you can translate that to a card game, <laughs> right? Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll use, the, uh, I think it was the grouper. Was it the grouper fish that like, if you successfully won an attack, you could go again and attack? Again, a grouper is a very voracious fish. They will, you know, keep eating, keep eating, keep eating until they can't eat no more. In this case, if you would fail a roll, your turn would be over or your attack would be over. So they tried to do these little thematic nuggets um, for all the different characters. Even the legendary beasts have a little bit of thematic tie. Um, so I, I went with the 3.5 as well, but for different reasons. Ryan, where are you at on balance? So for balance, uh, I had a four. I think the game's fairly balanced. Everybody kind of has access to the same creatures in the end. And so I think, you know, the way the game shakes out, we're able to sort of play similarly. Um, you take advantage of the cards that make the most sense when you're able to. I think the leader mechanic is kind of neat and that you sort of have to have that leader in play to be able to do the attacks for certain things. Um the dice rolling keeps stuff honest. So even though you might have a better set of cards than someone at that moment, if you're not able to nail the numbers you need on the particular attacks you're trying to make, uh, you know, that balances out everything that's happening with those, those cards that you have versus what your opponent has. So I think they did a pretty good job at making sure it was fairly balanced. I don't know. It, it felt good. It didn't feel, it felt play tested. Let's put it that way. It felt like they put some time into the abilities, the card powers, the numbers. Um, 
everything felt fairly well balanced. So I think I'm I'm comfortable with giving it a four. Yeah, so I went uh I went just a half a point higher with a four point five. Um I sort of put it in that same uh category as we just talked about between two cities where like, you know, you're both building the same cities. In this case, you have both the same deck of animal cards. Um, I think the only that, that, that point five is just based on who draws what when, right? That little bit of randomization, because there are certain characters that if you get them out before your opponent, you do have that just little bit of slight luck advantage if they can play them to their advantage. Sometimes they'll have a character that you already have out. That'll just be sitting there not being used. But yeah, I think to your point, it was very, it felt very well play tested, uh, and, 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 and balanced between that, that solo deck. But then when you multiply that deck by four players. So what did you have for fun? Uh, for me, it was a three. And the biggest reason was the stealing of realms. Uh, the game had me and it's, talons or grouper mouth or whatever you want uh, <laughs> until that happened that just felt really weird and sort of over aggressive mechanic and and a little bit out of place um it's it's hard enough not terribly difficult but hard enough to lock a realm down and then to have someone just randomly roll better than you five times in a row and they basically get to steal it uh, it it just feels bad. It does not feel like a good mechanic that belongs in the game. It's just far too random. Um, for all the strategic play you make with the cards and assigning cards into certain areas on your player board um, and holding things back in your hand potentially to then just have all your hard work erased with five good dice roll or five poor dice rolls on your behalf just feels really bad. I think that mechanic doesn't belong in the game. And I don't know if we were doing something wrong rules wise that maybe it shouldn't have been that way. Maybe we missed something. I'm not entirely sure, but I was having fun until then. And then that game just sort of lost me. So I went with the three because that part of it was not fun to me and sort of spoiled the end. Um, and maybe if we did something differently or that mechanic worked differently, I'd feel otherwise, but a three seems fair for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I also went with a three, um, for very similar reasons. Um, again, and I ended up, you know, sort of being the victor, uh, when we played last, um, in this regard. Cause I would think too, like, if, again, that was the only way that you could get certain realms. But then if you didn't have the other cards to lock a realm, that was the, again, that would be all you would be doing on your turn because you'd either have the wrong types of, you know, cards, but then you wouldn't want to get rid of them if you had duplicates of a certain, you know, like, like a little class type. Um, because you wouldn't, you know, because of the ability that the attack would help you. So yeah, it, um, I agree with you. It, it, that, that, that realm mechanic felt a little out of place. Now, you could potentially mitigate that by maybe having a different class of animal that has to be maybe in the locked realm in order to have some sort of combat or do something. Uh, but I, again, that would potentially change the game. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I went with a three as well. All right. Well, I'm glad we agreed on fun. I feel good about that. Uh, jumping into component quality, this game is very pretty. 
Uh, it has a very unique art style. Um, yeah. Very different than anything. It's almost like if you Lisa Franked some animals, but took out all the things that I hate about Lisa Frank and made it much cooler. That's what this looks like. Yeah, it's, it's super like, vibrant. It's, it's like tattoo yeah. Lisa Frank, like like art you yeah. put on your body. <laughs> like uh, I love it. Super I cool. love it. Uh, well, it was so funny when they. When they offered up the art print, I, I like jokingly told them, I was like, well, I've had your octopus as my background on my phone <laughs> for <laughs> ever since the campaign because that octopus uh, is amazing. So, yeah. Uh, love the art. Oh, my God, the art. That was why I bought yeah, this it's game. Yeah, super. The art of this game it's super beautiful. really, really drew me in. Uh, I really love the player boards. They're huge. And they're nice quality. They're very well labeled. I really love the art for the cards. The card stock itself is great. I thought the box was cool. The cover's cool. Like all the art on the outside's awesome. Um, component quality wise, this thing is great. Excuse me. Uh, I gave it a 4.5. I think everything about it was really well done and well produced. And is it Jeremy, right? Jeremy's art. Jeremy, yep. Jeremy's is, the artist. Is fantastic. Um, yeah. I think they did a great job with it. And it's. Super visually interesting as you're playing the game. It's really fun to, to kind of look at everything and admire it as you're going through the deck and the different cards. I love the, you know, all the animals that they used for the unique beasts, the legendary beasts that you can summon. Uh, the <laughs> right. irony of like a yellow cardinal being a legendary beast is just <laughs> awesome to me. Well, in so, all fairness, I'm the, not sure. I couldn't remember if the yellow, I couldn't remember which ones were the ones that they sent the backers. Uh, as like oh, you know, okay. consolation. Like, hey, sorry, things are going haywire. <laughs> I think the yellow cardinal might have been one of those. I could be mistaken, but it was awesome just to open up a card that said, "Thank you for being patient. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being cool." And then you're looking through these cards. You're just like, "Oh my god, this art is so awesome!" And it's like, really, yellow cardinal? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it makes the game better to have that level of fidelity and beauty to the, all the art. So they did such a great job there. So four point five for component quality for me. So I went just a little bit lower, um, not that, uh, and, I, and I'll explain why in, in a moment. Um, so I went back again. I looked at other games like War Chest, uh, and let's see, there was another one. I forget the other one, but like I went back to other games that were just like a simple component, right? This is just cards and a board, right? The board is awesome. It, it's like a uh, almost like a playmat in a style of, of board, which is awesome. It shows you all the, you know, where you put your discards, where you put your lines, where you put your realms, where you put your deck. It's great. It shows you really clearly. How do you lock a realm with the iconography on the left? It's perfect. Um, the card quality is so good. It's a good, good quality of, of card stock. The art. Oh my God. The art, the art is right. I bought this game. Uh, if, 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 you know, if I only play this game two or three more times, that's fine. I, I bought it because of the art. Uh, I, I think Jeremy is so talented, uh, of an artist that I, that I wanted to, you know, just give my money, you know, as long as just, you know, again, just for the cause of the art. Um, but I did ding it, uh, one point. I also, I went with a four. I think you went with a 4.5, but I dinged it with, I just, one little ding is the insert. In the box is is really nice. It, it works really well, but 
if I were to sleeve these cards, it would not, the sleeved cards would not fit in that insert. Um, they would be coming out of the height of the insert and then they would be all over the place. Um, the boards would hold them down, but one little jostling, that board would move and the cards would slide. So, uh, I just, I, well, that's I a just, fair tweak, point. I just tweaked that one point again because you could have come higher on the plastic potentially, um, or, or adjusted the size of the deck, right? Maybe. Um, but, Again, that's very minor. Uh, I think what they've produced is beautiful. The box is gorgeous. The boards are well done. Uh, and again, this is some of the best art, uh, I think, it, that I've seen in games in a very long time. It's a very, like I said, we made this joke, right? It's like this tattoo-worthy Lisa Frank style. Uh, and it's And it's beautiful. It's awesome. So I went with a four. Yeah, the only game where the art impressed me more recently is the old King's Crown, and yeah, well, and, that's and again, because I the think style's Pablo's different, style different, but very similar, yeah. right? Like you know, the art will suck you into those games. Yeah, the old King's Crown's art is is this lost land, this epic feel, and this is more of like a you know this card. Just focus on this card and and the animal, and we're just gonna do. You know, do more to make it interesting and yeah. cool and different, and it actually works really well. Like sometimes that's done and it doesn't work. It works in this case. It was really cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's replayability. It's almost. What'd you have there? Well, oh, before we ju- sorry, I got to gush on the art a little bit more. So I apologize. Like if you think about how do I put this? Like if you ever like if you remember seeing like a a, a, a an encyclopedia or or a poster on constellations. Right, where the constellations are all, the, they all look the same. But like, you've got like a warrior constellation, you've got this spoon constellation, you've got this goat constellation, right? You've got such a wide variety of animalia, and yet they all look consistent and, and just really amazing stylized. I don't know. I can't talk enough about this art. I might have to get one tattooed at this point. And that might be my first tattoo. <laughs> it's a piece of Jeremy's art. <laughs> I love it. Nice uh, tramp stamp of a grouper, huh? That'll be fun. <laughs> no, I'd get like Try the, to explain the, that to your parents. <laughs> oh, oh, God. All right. All right. Uh, what would you have for replayability? Me? Uh, I went with a 3.5. Uh, I think uh, that, that, that deck of cards you get, it, you won't see all those animals all the time. So you have to make the best use of those cards that you can when you get them. You have to choose strategically what what to attack, where to put where, uh, what to put in a realm, what cards to hold, what cards to discard. Like it's got a lot of strategic decisions to it. Um, but I think uh, you know that that one sort of Iggy on this game is that fun factor. Um, that realm battle could could use some punching up in a future expansion. Uh, that could take this game to a whole new level. Um, you have all these unique characters and yet that realm battle is just chucking dice. It, it just, it just feels weird to me. And I think that alone is going to ding this replayability for me. Uh, cause who wants to lose by just rolling dice? Um, specifically in this sort of style, right? 
So that's why yeah. I went with a 3.5. Cause I think there's a lot of I game mean, here, but that factor alone, I think dings this replayability. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't want to replay it if that's going to be a part of it. Cause it just felt so anticlimactic and out of place with the rest of the game. Um, I hope that there's some rules we got wrong or that that's going to yeah, get maybe. fixed, I, you know, in a rule errata or something. But the rules are simple. Just, like that's the beauty of the rule book. It was really quick, really simple yeah, to read yeah. and, and let's go. But like, I mean, and there's a whole page on the realm combat, realm battles. And it's like, yep. really? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I don't disagree. Um, or maybe if like cards yeah. had like an extra attribute, like if they're put in the realm, like, I, I don't know, even just having like a realm attribute or a realm value. And then if your realm value was bigger, then maybe you could beat without even rolling dice. Cause then you would strategically play cards differently if they had a realm value, right? Am I, I like am I the idea there? that, that Brad had, which was maybe instead of stealing the realm, it just wipes the realm clean of creatures. Um, because, at least you're not taking someone's entire realm away when they only have two of those cards in their entire deck. That's true. Like too, there, there's yeah. some stuff yeah. there that, that could be tweaked. And I think really does need to be tweaked for this game to be something that I would want to consistently play. Yeah. Um, but there's enough there that I was still entertained by parts of it long enough to be interested. And that's, that's saying yeah. something with, you know, the influx of games that we see in on a daily basis. So 3.5 seems fair to me, and, and that brought my final to a 3.7 overall. Um, this I is ranking a, a little bit 7. lower. Yeah, I had a 3.7 Yeah, I think well. this is ranking a little bit lower because of that one particular rule and, and a couple other minor nitpicks, but I think there's a game here for sure that, that we should explore more. I just think that that one rule needs to be resolved before we would get this to the table on a regular basis, but there, there are things in it I liked, which is a good sign. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, these, these card games, right? Lurkana and, and Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Like, it has that, like, it has the flavor of a TCG or a CGG. Because uh, each card is unique. Each card is special. Each card is fun. But but the way the, they, they interact and come together is, is also fun. And it's also interesting. But then, like... That realm battle just felt like lackluster in in almost um, a disservice to how cool these cards are and how cool these animals are, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I want to try it again. I just want to see that one rule tweaked. Um, and maybe two players is different. Maybe, there. I don't know. We played four player. So maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, was this something that would make you want to kill your friends? No, well, kill is a strong word, but lose friends. I don't think you lose friends over wild realms unless they're not maim. Maybe unless they're maim, bludgeon, not mortally wound, a, but a slight bludgeon, yeah. a slight bludgeon. Um, no, I, I don't think no. Unless they say this art isn't cool, which again, I know art's subjective, but not <laughs> not Jeremy's art because Jeremy's art's fire. I love it. So if you disagree with on the art, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> I just like that you said fire there. It sounded like my 12 year old son. Uh, yeah, I would agree. The, the art is a huge selling point for this game. I think there is a good amount of solid game in here. Um, yeah. I just, 
again, that one rule nitpick constantly bothers me, but if it gets fixed, I want to revisit this and play it some more because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I had fun right before we got to the point where you stole two, <laughs> two realms from people. And I was like, wait, what? How did you do yeah. that? You're like, oh, I won dice rolls. I'm like, ah, oh, womp, womp, womp. Um, but before that, I, I was in. The game had me. So yeah. there's there's definitely potential there. All right. Uh, thank you again to Jeremy for, uh, yeah, for thank you and Daywalker Syndicate for hooking uh, Ken up with that awesome art print, and we're glad we got a chance to review your game. And thanks again to Stone Meyer for also providing us with a copy of Between Two Cities, uh, the Essential Edition. All right, before we head out, you mentioned you. We thought it's been so <laughs> little time since we recorded last that we thought we would not have any back bought, and you, being the degenerate that you are, managed to squeeze some purchases in. So why don't you quick go through those, and we'll get out of here for the night. All right. So first off, I didn't back anything, right? Since since we last recorded, I don't think there's been a week in between recordings. <laughs> so Kickstarter hasn't uh, recycled itself yet. Um, but uh, – and I don't know if I mentioned this the last couple podcasts ago, but – during New York Comic Con, uh, Hasbro, uh, uh, un, uh, like up, put up for pre-order two new expansions for Hero Quest. So those two expansions actually shipped and arrived at my house. So that is the Spirit Queen's uh, Torment expansion and the Prophecy of Talor. And Ryan, wait till you hear this. So, <laughs> uh, so yesterday. I had uh, the game store that, or the comic shop slash game store slash toy store slash action figure shop uh, that I go to uh, got the restock of Lorcana and was doing a yard sale. Was doing a yard sale at the same time. So yard sale to me means cheap toys, cheap board games, cheap memorabilia, cheap pop culture stuff. So I needed to get there for 11 o'clock when they opened. But prior to that, <laughs> I did some toy hunting at Ollie's in on uh, actually right near your house. So I was there three days in a row this week. <laughs> I was oh right off at Tillman. Uh, and Just I went get an apartment at this point. <laughs> I, sh- I should have an apartment, right? Like, but anyway, uh, and I've looked at this a couple times and I've not picked it up. But just in the spirit of just buying another game for the sake of buying board games, uh, Ollie's got in Rivet Wars, which is uh, a Simon game, which has little military miniatures. So it's like potentially like an Undaunted or uh, a War Chest, but uh, with these these really cool army miniature guys. Um, and that's called Rivet Wars. I paid $15 for a, I think it was like a Kickstarter for like 60 bucks, 80 really? bucks. Like, I was like, okay, 15 bucks. Okay. So I grabbed that one. So on the way to the, the yard sale that opens at 11, we hit a target, me and my son. I actually I took the little son. So my three year old was with us for his first big time daddy toy hunt. Um, so he's been getting stuff along the way too. So don't feel like it was just for daddy. Like <laughs> my little guy got stuff too along the way. Uh huh. Oh, he got some, he got this like, whatever cyborg. you need to tell yourself, pal. 
And he got this like half robot gorilla thing. It was awesome. It's so cool. Uh, but anyway, so wow. yeah. Uh, so we uh, so we stopped at a Target, and again, this this clearance end cap of board games at Target was crazy. I got, and again, I I didn't think I would like it, but for five dollars, I bought this. It's called The Godfather Last Family Standing. It plays six play up to six players. It looks like it might be a fun work social deduction game, maybe. So it was five bucks. So I just took a chance on it. So I grabbed it on Saturday. Uh, and now fast forward to the yard sale. So not only did I get my, my limit of six booster packs of Lorcana, I had uh, my, my three-year-old pick the six packs. He got two Elsa packs. He got two Maleficent and two Mickey's. Uh, and I pulled. Not only did I get new cards that I didn't have for my set, but he pulled three money cards, and not enchanted rare money cards, nice. but like the regular regular rares or super rares that are really money. So he pulled a, an Aurora, which I think is forty five bucks. He pulled a Brave Little Tailor, which I think is maybe 30 bucks. Uh, and then he pulled a Hades. So he pulled some really good cards, no enchanted, but I can't complain because I didn't have the Aurora and the Aurora is a really good card for a lot of, uh, constructed decks right now. But I went to the yard sale. I filled a bag of other stuff, but I bought one board game. Uh, and I bought one of yellows. Yellow did like these small box games. Uh, they're like little white boxes. Uh, but I bought Ninja Tizen, which is a two-player uh, dice-driven abstract game where, uh, again, it, it was just this, I'm a sucker for two-player games. Plus, Ryan, this game was $2. <laughs> That's you just have to buy it off it. principle. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, there's a board game and it's $2? Okay, I'm buying it. And I just so happened did not have it as part of my yellow small box collection. So... Those were my purchases since we spoke, what, Thursday night? <laughs> Wednesday night of last week, whenever we did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are a bargain hunter, so this isn't surprising. I'm just surprised in that small period of time you managed to find all of those, especially for the <laughs> price you found them. <laughs> yeah, you, right. You you go hunting way more than I ever am willing to do, so I think uh, I have to give yeah. you a little bit of credit there. Well, but I yeah, appreciate I, I, that. <laughs> For my sickness? I haven't, uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, I got to put a positive spin on it in some fashion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, two bucks and then Rivet Wars for what? What do you say? 15? 15. Yeah, 15. Yeah. And e then even that, if it sucks, that Godfather like, game can for turn five. around and probably resell it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, so I don't have anything. So congratulations. Well, and hold on. This hold, week. hold on. I got one more thing. I, I would be oh, remiss. My. Well, it's it's sort of a, a purchase in a way. Um, you've heard us talk about the the game store in Maryland, games and stuff on the podcast before. Um, today, just before earlier this morning, when I woke up, uh, they put out the tickets for their Black Friday event uh, in two weeks, <laughs> or actually not in two weeks. Why what is it? Next week? Tickets. Well, let me explain. So. The store normally opens on Fridays at 9 a.m. If you pre-purchase a ticket, you get to be in the store 
90 minutes prior, your ticket is guarantees you a swag bag of $150 worth of product of whatever. I'm not sure what's going to be in it. And here's the best part, which I loved. 100% of the benefits of this ticket purchase goes to charity. So they're not even keeping a dime of it. That's really cool. They're just doing a charity event prior to the store opening at 7.30 in the morning on Black Friday. Friday, and they're doing every day is a theme day. So Friday is board game day. Saturday is miniature day. And Sunday is like TCG day. Right? So I bought board game day. <laughs> I got I bought two board game tickets <laughs> for me and my wife's cousin uh, to go on Saturday, uh, to go on Friday morning. We'll be home at the house before that 90 minutes. I'm so excited. Uh, plus it's for a good cause. So I figured, you know, donate some money. Because I don't want to stand in a line at nine o'clock. That just would be awful. No, and I have. Um, and again, it's limited tickets. Like it's not like everyone's going to get one. So if you didn't buy one and you know, they sold out, they're done, right? So that's games and stuff. One of these years, I got to get down there with you. Oh, buddy, Maryland's amazing. Maybe it's I'll game store. Maybe I'll do the. The problem with the Black Friday sale is that it's right before PAX. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I'd rather go spend the money there than on the show floor where AEG marks their shit up 15% like yeah. a bunch of jerks. So, yeah, AEG, yeah. if you're listening, you heard me. Don't do that. It's really bad form. <laughs> yeah. So, next – so, I guess that is next week. Is is No. Yeah. No. Next week. Yep. So, next week yeah. is Black Friday. So, uh, I got my well, ticket. I hope, fun, I hope it is fun. Shopping spree. <laughs> I hope it is lucrative, and I hope the two dollars you spent at Ollie's doesn't throw you over the top. <laughs> or sorry, the, the garage sale. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, but you do have how about? Problem, but I enjoy how, listening to it. <laughs> but a hundred and fifty dollars swag bag. That's going to be awesome. I hope there's going to be something oh, yeah. super cool. And it, right? Like, the charity thing is awesome. Like, yeah, that store like, just looks awesome. I, I got to get down there. It, like, I'll. Well, that's the crazy part. Cry they just a when we walk in, <laughs> dude. I'm not even kidding you. This is the greatest board game. It's it's the greatest board game store in the in the on. Well, they say the East Coast. I, it has to be the world. <laughs> well, maybe Japan's got something cooler, but like at least United States, right? It's it's an amazing store, and they just moved to a new location, so they have more space, yeah. bigger, oh, bigger, batter. I Whatever. follow them on uh, our Twitter account for Play Games okay. with Friends, and nice. I see videos they post and stuff. And so I get to see the inside of the new location. It's enormous. <laughs> it's enormous. It's, it looks so nice. It's like the King Louie of board game stores. <laughs> <laughs> for you Jungle Book well, fans. <laughs> I hope you have fun, and I hope it all works out. And cheers yeah. to them for doing the tickets for charity thing. That is very cool. And uh, I'll get down there one of these years. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, we're going to head out for the night. And in the meantime, if you want to learn more about the podcast or talk to us or find out more about prior episodes, including our David Thompson interview last episode or a couple episodes ago where we interviewed Pablo Clark from Era Idol Games, you can check us out on the web at www.playgameslosefriends.com. You can reach us on Instagram at Play Games Lose Friends or on Twitter at PGLF Show. 
If you're interested, you can email us at playgamesloosefriends at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments about the show, anything you'd like us to talk about. Sometimes we have contests. I think we'll probably have one coming up early next year. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I guess if you like the show, you could help us out. Leave a review, rate us on any platform that you listen to your favorite podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google, Android. I don't know. There's a million of them. So whatever you use, please leave a review, like the show, uh, leave us some nice comments or bad ones, whatever you feel just helps us get the show out to more people, which we really appreciate because we want more folks to enjoy this fun hobby that we do too. All right. That's going to do it. Ken, any last words before we're out for the evening? Yeah. I just want to, I just want to thank uh Daywalker syndicate, uh, for their support and uh, talking to us about Wild Realms and, and again for the nice gift of the art print. Uh, and then our friends at Stone Meyer, we really appreciate uh, the opportunity to get a game that we didn't have from our vast Stone Meyer libraries uh, and to talk about it because uh, again we we didn't have it we didn't we've never played it before um, so we really enjoyed that experience. Um, so thank you both both companies we really appreciate it and uh to our our friends out there our listeners thank you very much for your support we really appreciate that as well so thank you we do we do love you all we really do so thanks for listening and big thanks to everybody that ken mentioned and i am looking forward to getting a copy of viticulture someday from stone Meyer <laughs> so that i can force ken to play a euro which is just going to be glorious i can't wait uh, i can't oh, wait boy. all right <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're making Yay. wine, damn it! And you're gonna you're gonna stomp those grapes. And you're gonna like it. Gonna I'm gonna fall out. fall over in that basket like that woman from that old viral clip. <laughs> I hope the cubes are like the types of grapes and the colors match, so you can at least have some different shades of purple to distract you while you're hating life. We'll see. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with our PAX preview episode in a couple weeks. Until then. Play games, don't lose your friends, and we will see you soon. Bye, folks. Later.